Welcome to the broadcast. I'm your host, James Corbett of CorbettReport.com, coming to you as always from the sunny climes of Western Japan, and you are tuned into Corbett Report Radio here on this Wednesday night edition of this worldwide transmission. Of course, blasting out on KHFX 1140 AM in Dallas, Fort Worth, and around the world on RepublicBroadcasting.org. So once again, to each and every one of you tuning in tonight, thank you so much for your time and attention, and I promise to make the most of it. As tonight we are hoping to bring up a very special guest, Greg Hunter of Greg Hunter's USA Watchdog, which for those of you out there who have not seen this news re- resource yet, it is at usawatchdog.com. And Greg is scheduled to be on the program tonight to talk about uh, various news and information. I'd also like to talk about the subject of depleted uranium, which he has covered in the past uh, even covered for CNN, because uh, Greg was uh, a network and investigative correspondent for nine years uh, before starting USAWatchdog.com. He worked for ABC News and Good Morning America, and he also was a correspondent for CNN for a number of years. So he's done a lot of reporting along those lines, but now is uh, doing independent reporting for USAWatchdog.com, his very own news website with the slogan, Analyzing the News, to give you a clear picture of what's really going on. So I hope people will go and check that website out if they haven't yet done so. I understand we have Greg on the line now, so let's bring him straight into the, tonight's conversation. Greg Hunter, so so good to have you on the line. Thank you for joining us. Oh, good to be here. Well, it's it's great to talk to you, and this is a first, the first time we've talked. It's the first time you've been on the program. It might be the first time people are encountering you. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Well, I... Uh... Uh, my dad was a uh, machinist. Uh, I remember when I was in college and I wanted to be in radio and TV. I said I called home and said, "Hey, Dad, I figured out what I want to be, uh, you know, in college." And he said, "What is it?" And I said, "I want to be in radio and TV." And he and he said, "No kidding." He said, um, "Is there any money in fixing those things?" And so I um, I, I started in local TV, worked my way up. I worked at uh, ABC, like you said, and CNN as an investigative correspondent. Just did. I just did the hard stuff. I just did the R&D stories. I didn't do any, generally speaking, fires or you know bridge collapses or things like that. I generally did um, concept stories and uh, investigations, things like that. So, That's right, uh, and I, th- I think that is borne out quite well from the uh, the clips of some of your reporting that are up on YouTube that you link to from the site. And uh, certainly that, that does seem to be the case. A lot of very interesting stories, including, as I was mentioning, on depleted uranium, which I'd like to get into a little bit more tonight. But uh, just here in the first segment, we only have a couple of minutes okay. before the first break. So so why don't we just talk a little bit about how and when you came to foundusawatchdog.com? Uh, well, I... Um... I was my network career was uh, uh, basically uh, over. I, they don't they don't like doing um, investigations uh, at the networks. In case you haven't seen it, really they're not, they're almost non-existent, and the, one, the ones that are there are pretty poor at times. I mean, even sixty minutes isn't what it used to be. I mean, they did a big thing about the mortgage fraud thing, for example, and at the end it was Sheila Bear was on saying, "Oh, we need another bailout fund." I couldn't believe it. I mean, they set up this whole thing about fraud and how fraudulent things were and the documents. There's tons of fraud going on. Anyway, 
the, the long and short of it, so I uh, started the website. I, I trademarked the name USA Watchdog, and um, I it just is. I remember when I first started out, I'd have ten or fifteen, you know, people reading it, and uh, then in the first year, went to a hundred thousand visitors a month, and then in December of eleven, two hundred thousand visitors a month, and I'm growing from there. So it's coming along. Well, that is good to see, especially in this age of the declining fourth estate, the the media that has always traditionally served to to be that uh, that check and that watchdog against governmental abuse and power and the congregation of power. Unfortunately, as you note, doing less and less of that job in this day and age. So it's good to see that there are reporters like yourself that are taking it into their own hands. So I hope people will check out usawatchdog.com. On that note, let's take a short break. We'll be right back after these message messages with our host, uh, with your host, James Corbett, and our guest, Greg Hunter. Greg Hunter of usawatchdog.com about a whole host of topics. Uh, Greg Hunter having a very long and accomplished career in uh, investigative journalism, first for uh, television, uh, major networks, and now he has his own website, usawatchdog.com, where he's covering uh, some some stories in great depth, including if you go to the front page of usawatchdog.com right now, there's a very interesting conversation with Charles Biederman, the CEO of TrimTabs Investment Research, about the euro and the EU debt crisis. Uh, very, very interesting conversation, so I would recommend that for people out there. But tonight I'd like to start by taking a look at a, a subject that Greg did cover on CNN a few years ago, and it's an, a subject that, surprisingly enough to longtime listeners of the Corbett Report, I have not yet really su- specifically covered in any of my radio broadcasts or podcasts or any of my other investigative work myself. So it is good to finally broach this topic, and we're talking about depleted uranium, which is a type of munition that's been being used by the U.S. Uh, Army for the last couple of decades, but there are some very serious potential health consequences to that, and I would like to start getting into that. Uh, Greg Hunter, I know you've covered this quite extensively, Perhaps to start setting up this conversation, since it is the first time we've really broached this topic on the program, perhaps you can tell us what depleted uranium munitions really are. Depleted uranium munitions is uh, uranium depleted of its fuel and depleted by 40%. So depleted is kind of a misnomer. Yes, it is depleted, but it would be like saying, hey, here's a gallon of gasoline, and I'm going to take 40% of it out, and I'm going to deplete it and put water in there. Does that make the gasoline safe? Can you pour that in the glass, shake it up, and pour it in a glass and drink it? Of course not. And you can't use it in your car either. So it's depleted. Uh, so, but it wouldn't be safe. And so, but uh, unlike gasoline, depleted uranium munitions. Um, first of all, before we go into uh, about the munitions, it is a wonderful, awesome weapon. Uh, it uh, weighs twice the amount of uh, a projectile weighs twice the amount of lead. It's pyrophoric, meaning when you fire it out of a cannon or out of a gun or a 25 millimeter or whatever, it catches on fire. It's a flaming rod of heavy metal, and it's and it's radioactive, and it will go through one side and outside a tank. A 50 millimeter round will go through in one side of a tank and out the other. 
it will go through a, a mound of dirt in the tank and out the back of it. It'll go through walls, buildings, nothing will stop it. It's a fabulous weapon. Uh, you know, one, it, one of the uses was to put it on an A-10 Warthog, which is a, you know, a low, slow flying, uh, tank killing airplane is our, our advantage to the Soviet, uh, you know, uh, you know, oversupply of tanks or, or, you know, mismatch of tanks. So we came back with a Warthog and depleted uranium munitions that would go right through a T-72 tank. It'll, like a hot knife through butter. So you can understand why the Army loves depleted uranium. I mean, you see these little Bradley fighting vehicles, and I never could figure out, hey, what, what did they get to with that little gun? Well, you have a 25-millimeter round in that little gun, and you hit a, a T-72 tank, and everybody inside's aspirated. They're dead. While the shell goes out to the other side. Absolutely, and I, I suggest people who haven't yet actually seen these uh, these munitions being fired go on, even on YouTube. You can do searches and see some of the, the demonstrations of these weapons, and uh, there's obvious military reasons for the deployment of these weapons. They're obviously quite destructive, but there are other side effects that uh, and, may not yeah, be... Yeah, and I wanted to set up why the Army would like to have this weapon, why it is an awesome, unstoppable weapon. It's utterly awesome. That's it. Uh, you know, when these things, when you handle the shells, people are like, was there any trouble handling the shells? No, not really. The problem is when these rounds, and they're, they have all different sizes of rounds, uh, when these rounds uh, hit something, uh, they explode and they aspirate to a cloud of heavy metal radioactive dust. And the Army's own training video says the soldiers, of course, this is a training video they never showed. It was just too information, too much information <laughs> for the soldiers. But their own training video said that, that soldiers had to stay 50 meters away from a tank. 50 meters. And they never told the troops that. And so these guys were standing on tanks, getting their picture taken, going inside. And, and they were, you know, all over these tanks. We had people in crews picking them up with no gloves, no, no masks, no nothing. They needed to be in a, a hazmat suit with, you know, uh, the ventilation down to the finest micron to be protected. And so, um, uh, you know, this stuff, uh, and it, it, it doesn't go away. There's no way to clean it up. How do you clean that up? How do you clean up a, a area of dust uh, that's radioactive and heavy metal? And if you breathe it in, it's yours forever. It never goes away. That's right. And to put that into perspective for people out there who are not so versed in the metric system, 50 meters, that's about 150 feet? Uh, yeah, roughly. That's an incredible radius uh, to even not be able to approach, to, to even inspect what the damage that has been wrought by these weapons. Well, you know, the, the, there was all kinds of stuff in the original training video after, you know, Gulf War One, And so they said, oh, yeah, and that was the first time they ever used it. And, they, you know, anybody got sick there was, well, you, they didn't really, had never used it in wide review, I mean, in the, in the theater of battle. Uh, and it became a, a, you know, widely used uh, munitions. I mean, they had a you know, you know, who knows how many tons they ended up dropping in in the, you know Desert Storm two. But one was I don't know three thousand, uh, I don't know something like that, three thousand tons or three, yeah, th uh, something like that, three thousand tons. It was a lot, and uh, between one and two. Anyway, it was a lot. It was so much that uh, Dr. Asip Durakovich, who was a, a four-time four doctor, veterinarian, MD, 
a physicist, uh, you know, anyway, he had four legitimate doctor's degrees, and he was one of their top uh, nuclear experts uh, on the matter, and he said they turned much of Iraq into a nuclear radiological sewer, what he, is what he called it. I said that on CNN. I said that in my report, that the ASF director called much of Iraq a radiological sewer because so much depleted uranium was used. And we didn't really protect our troops. I mean, the, the new video came out, and, the, you know, they had all kinds of... Uh, information and it said well you can actually get more than the recommended standard it won't hurt you oh pfft. come on it's a heavy metal it has a half-life of 4.5 billion years uh it does not dissolve <laughs> please uh, it contaminates air and water uh it's if you eat it it's less damaging if you breathe it in but to breathe it in it's dust man i mean you know and we had a lot of troops exposed but it was a very hard case to make because they the army was just like what we don't see anything what we what huh Exactly, and and the strangest part of that story is the reversal, because as you indicate, when it first came out, there was a lot of precautions, and they were quite cautious about the deployment of these weapons. Depleted uranium is a known carcinogen. It's not a debate for debate, you know, like the Tobacco Institute for years. Well, we're not so sure tobacco causes cancer. No, no, this is really not even that. This is depleted uranium munitions, especially after they've been, you know, exploded, you know, know, aspirated into a cloud, they become, you know, radioactive, heavy metal dust particles. They're carcinogenic. They have a half-life of 4.5 billion years. They cut all this stuff out, incidentally. Uh, you know, if you inhale it, you it's very difficult, if not impossible, to get out of the lungs. You would keep, you know, having these, uh, you know, bouts over and over again. Your cells would repair. Then they'd go into a, some type of, you know, uh, depreciation. Then they repair and depreciate. Finally, you turn cancerous. And there's just no real effective way to clean it out. It's a heavy metal. So, but it is a freaking, and the other thing that they didn't do, they didn't talk about telltale signs and how soldiers, our own soldiers, forget the civilians, I'm not even talking about them, I just talk about our own people, that, uh, you know, if they had these spalling, these pock marks, because the metal was so hot, it would hit, it was self-sharpening, right? That's the way it keeps going. It just keeps grinding off into a new, hotter, 4,000 degree, I'm going to burn right through, whatever it is. It doesn't make any difference. And uh, this stuff would have pock marks when it hit. It's called spalling. And, you know, that's a telltale sign of depleted uranium emissions. It's like, you know, warning danger. Stay back. Stay away. If you don't have proper equipment, stay away. And we didn't tell our troops that. <laughs> we just didn't. It's unbelievable. We just let it, them it is absolutely flabbergasting and uh, that, that this has been going on for years and that, in fact, it, it doesn't seem to be uh, going away. I don't think there's any more Oh, they'll be using it in the next issue. war, that's for sure. Exactly. They also well, have it, uranium armor, too. You know, it will deflect the stuff. But, you know, if, it can aspirate to a cloud, too, if you hit it with something hard. So, I mean, another depleted uranium, uranium round. Well, uh, absolutely incredible. And uh, I know this is a story that you have uh, continued to cover, even on USAWatchdog.com, even in the last couple of years. For example, in February of 2010, you had a story up, Iraq planning to sue U.S. and U.K. over depleted well, yeah. uranium munitions. People just don't understand how... How um, it's just uh, it, it's a it's it creates a mess. I mean, it creates a complete mess. And how do you clean up radioactive dust? And how do you do that? And the answer is, well, you don't. And it contaminates water and air and soil. It's um, but it you know again in the army, uh, even some of their own tests says it causes cancer in rats and stuff like that. Well, it's, come on, it's carcinogen, it's radiological. It's heavy metal. It's you know it's. It, it is, uh, it's quite, uh, it should be illegal. 
it really should be a, uh, a war crime for any nation. And incidentally, the United States isn't the only one that has it. Uh, other major military powers have depleted uranium and munitions, so it's not uh, solely of uh, the United States, And which is probably one reason why they feel like they have to have it. They don't want to face an enemy that has it, and they don't. It isn't awesome. Has another army actually deployed it on the battlefield before? Have they? Yeah. Oh, yeah, Gulf War One and Two. I, I mean another army other than the U.S. Army. I do not know that. I would say the Russians probably have, but, you know, have they come up against tanks in Afghanistan? No, they came up with guys in, you know, robes and camels. I mean, so did they have to use it? No, it's a, it's a metal cutter. You know, it, it'll, it also does a nice job going right through a building, too. Uh, nothing can stop it. It's awesome weapon. I don't mean to build it up, but it's, you can see why the Army wants to keep it. Well, it certainly is a nice toy for the big boys, I suppose, in the Pentagon. Well, on that note, let's take another short break. We're talking to Greg Hunter of USAWatchdog.com, and we'll be right back after these messages. You are tuned into Corbett Report Radio here on Republic Broadcasting. I'm your host, James Corbett of CorbettReport.com, coming to you, as always, from the sunny climes of western Japan. And tonight we are talking to Greg Hunter of USAWatchdog.com, an independent news and information website with lots and lots of information on a whole host of issues. So once again, I do hope people will go and check that out. Tonight we've been talking uh, about some of Greg Hunter's previous reporting on depleted uranium, a very, very interesting subject and one that unfortunately has seen very little attention in the mainstream press over the years, and uh, and there, uh, that in itself is, I think, somewhat worrying. Uh, Greg, how did you first com- come into contact with this story? What prompted you along uh, the lines of researching this? I think I just read some small uh, story in the newspaper, and it was about depleted uranium. And I was just going to do a story, a gee whiz story, about how it worked and how good it worked. And the more I, and it was something like that. It was just like, oh, this would be cool video, right? I'm a TV guy. This would be cool video. You know, it's supposed to really, you know, be some awesome stuff. And maybe I get some army video and just talk about how, how well it works, you know, and talk a little bit about the science. And I was going to put together something quick and easy. Well, anything, you know, quick and easy is, if you're doing journalism, it doesn't really work together. And the more I looked into it, the worse it got until finally I thought, oh my God. Then I was down at my house in uh, Tampa, and I read some some little, um, uh, you know, op-ed piece. Uh, you know, that was also the home of uh, MacDill Air Force Base. And, uh, so, but anyway, I read this little op-ed piece uh, about it. And the more I found out about it, I thought, what if this is true? I said, oh, my God, I don't want to do a story about how well it works if it can give somebody cancer. That's so why I started looking into it. And, boy, it turned into that. It took me months. They turned it down at CNN when I first uh, brought it up. And then somebody saw some little blurb in the newspaper somewhere and said, hey, remember that depleted uranium story that you were uh, going to do? Why don't you go ahead and do that? <laughs> I mean, the one you turned down that you just said you just didn't feel like, didn't think it was very interesting? Oh, okay, that one? Yeah, sure. I'd love to go do it. <laughs> but I did a two-parter. What's on my site is part one, I think. Anyway, uh, it was sad. I had some. The part two, I had a bunch of military victims who couldn't figure out what was wrong with them. And, of course, they didn't test any radioactive, and they... You know, now at this point, it's been in their body so long, they got to die and do an autopsy and saw their bones in half and start doing, you know, readings. I mean, you, you, well, you need somebody t- with a mask. Tell us about the personal experiences of some of the people you talked to who were afflicted by these conditions. Oh, God, they were worn out. They had sores. 
their kids. One of them had, uh, you know, his child had lo- was born with a, you know, a little nub of a hand. I mean, it was just a couple of little, you know, it was a, I mean, it was a wrist with a couple of little bumps on it. The birth certificate uh, defects are carried from the father uh, through the mother to the child. In this, they travel. It travels. Its birth defects are not. And also, uh, even Nick, uh, what's his name? Uh, one of the guys who did it earlier did a story about how the birth defects in the in a, a Bedouin tribes and the people out in the desert where they shot these, you know, shot this stuff up, where they're exposed to the dust. Their kids had birth defects, which is a telltale sign of depleted uranium munitions in the dust and inhaling. The problem isn't the munitions themselves with unexploded ordnance. Uh, I'm sure, I guess, if you rubbed it all over yourself, you wouldn't want to do that. But, but that's not the problem. Nobody's, nobody's saying, wow, I handle these, these shells and oh my god, I got cancer. No, it's from the dust. It's from the effects after it, it hits, explodes, explodes. Right. Well, interestingly enough, this just came out a couple of weeks ago from the U.S. Department of Defense, the American Forces Press Service. Um, they have a story up, laboratory analyzes shrapnel to look for uranium, talking about the Joint Pathology Center's Biophysical Toxicology and Depleted Uranium Embedded Metal Fragment Laboratory, which is a mouthful and a half, but uh, it, it, this story notes that, quote, military doctors here are examining shrapnel taken from service members and vet- veterans looking for depleted uranium and other metals. And uh, buried down in about the... Uh, Tenth paragraph of this story, they have a little note. While many service members and veterans have retained fragments because of high risks removing them would pose, uh, some alloys, such as depleted uranium, are not safe to leave in the body. So, of course, uh, the Pentagon is not denying the toxic effects of these outright, but it it seems that there's no political movement behind making it more of an issue. But they'll they'll say, well, we haven't seen it, you know, uh, damaging rivers and streams and the environment, and, you know, we don't see it in our service people that do biological tests for stuff. You know, you need a, you know, a, a... you know, you need a, a, a PhD, a couple of PhD scientists and a mass spectrometer, and you need to take readings if you've been exposed within the first 30 days. Uh, so, you know, this can, this can be embedded inside of you, and you'd never, you know, know what was going on unless you specifically knew exactly what you're looking for. And if too much time passes by, it gets embedded into your bones. So, I mean, you know, it also gets embedded into your lungs. I mean, it's there. It, it doesn't dissolve. I had one doctor tell me it dissolves. I said, you, uh, you're telling me that heavy metal dissolves? Uh, you're, you're kidding me, right? You're, you're going to stand on that? I mean, I didn't even use it in the story. One of the, one of the scientists told me that. I did not use it because he said, no, it doesn't dissolve. I said, you're, really, you're, 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 you're telling me you're a, doc, you're a scientist, right? You're telling me that this dissolves, that heavy metal dissolves. And you want me to it's use just... that? I mean, I actually got down to that level. I mean, you want me to, you're going to say that you want me to use that in the story. Is that right? That's just <laughs> ridiculous. And he and, said, uh... no, 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 no. No. Okay. All right. Good. Because you know, because I, I'm just going. I don't want to intentionally just try to do stuff, vindictive stuff, to get a, another expert on to come on and say, you know, he's crazy. That's in science, but this is science. This is not an opinion. It's not up for debate. Yeah, I don't think that needs uh, balanced reporting, so to speak. If it's uh, clearly it's, crazy like that, a, well, that is. That is, it is. Uh, it's disturbing that someone tried to to really pass that off as science on you, though. Well, it's uh, they, they, what I kept hearing was, well, uh, even though even though it's a scientific fact, it is radioactive. Even though it's a scientific fact, it does last, have a half life of 4.5 billion years. It's a scientific fact. It's a known carcinogen. It's a scientific fact. Fact. All these are facts, and they said, well, we don't see the bad effects. We- well, people are entitled to their own opinions, but not their own scientific facts. That's for sure. Well, on that note, let's take another short break. We'll be right back with Greg Hunter of USAWatchdog.com. 
You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Welcome back to Corbett Report Radio. You are tuned into this broadcast here on Republic Broadcasting. I'm your host, James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. Tonight's guest is Greg Hunter of USAWatchdog.com. Once again, a one-stop resource for all sorts of news and information that, the unfortunately, the mainstream media is not covering in this day and age where they have completely abdicated their responsibility to inform the American public and the peoples of the world about what's really going on. And tonight we've been discussing depleted uranium, a very important uh, topic that unfortunately has received scant media attention. So just before we leave the depleted uranium topic and start to explore some of the other things that you go into at usawatchdog.com, uh, Greg, perhaps you can address the point of a lot of people out there, of course, are concerned about this depleted uranium issue, but there's so little awareness of the issue, and uh, there seems to be no political momentum behind making this a, an important issue. What, what do you think are the prospects for this this issue actually becoming something that, that could drive, for example, a 2012 election, or, or at the very least become something on the political table? Oh, listen, the, 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 the will is not there in the reporting corps, and I'll tell you the back story with the depleted uranium story. It took me, uh, well, number one, it was a tremendous amount of material to read, right? And who do we get for an expert? We got an ex- excellent expert, uh, Asif Durakovich. Uh, he's one of the smartest people I've ever met. And um, uh, and he was uh, one of their point men, one of their D expert in the field, Durakovich. And he was, uh, his uh, papers, just to let you know, his, uh, what do you call them, his, uh, oh, dang it, uh, his uh, discharge, military discharge papers were signed by Bill Clinton. So he was in pretty good regard. Okay? He was signed by the, his discharge papers were signed by Bill Clinton. He had an honorary discharge, signed by the president. So, uh, but anyway, I don't think it, there's a, a high po- possibility to have this in the light, in the light, see the light of day because of the reporters. And I'll tell you, and this is the story I wanted to tell you. I never told the story before. And, you know, when we got down to the final script, I mean, we had the lawyers. and we, no, Nothing ever went out like this unless you had the lawyers look at it first. You know, then you have the editorial uh, people at CNN. I mean, the top guy. And then you have the standards and practices. I mean, is this, you know, is this, is this, is this reasonable? Should we be doing this? And then we have the lawyers. Can we say this? Is this legal? Can you prove this? What about this? What about that? How do you say this line? How do you know that? How do you know this? What about this? Everything goes through all this stuff. Well, then we were getting pushback on the Pentagon reporters, Jamie McIntyre and Barbara Starr. Star. Yes, I'm naming names. They called it junk science. That was what the military said. Well, junk science. Excuse me, junk science. What, what part of this is junk? It doesn't have a half-life of 4.5 billion years. It's not a heavy metal. It still has 40%, uh, 60% of its radioactivity. That's junk. Uh, you can't inhale it. Known carcinogen. Did we get to that? Yes. Is that What is it that's junk uh, What is it that is junk science? It poisons rivers, airs, streams. Please, stop me. Where, 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 where is the junk science? I, they made me send a script down, and Jamie McIntyre read it. I said, just, I, I want to know, whatever there's a mistake, you tell me where it is. You let me know. I don't want to put out anything on the earth's mistake. He didn't change a word. It's, that script is on my site today. Huh. Well, I had the uh... own Pentagon reporters 
saying it was just covering their buddies in the military. And let me tell you, you go you confront somebody in the military. I went to the Pentagon. I went to the belly, belly, of, the belly of the beast. You can drive, you can drive a, uh, you know, a uh, an M3 through the halls at about fifty. It's huge. You know, a, a BMW. What is that? An M3. You can certainly. Right. Drive, I bet you I drive my my Chevy Impala through the halls of the Pentagon. They're so wide. Yeah, I'm sure I could. Yeah, they're big. It's huge. And, uh, you know, I go in there to, uh, to confront this guy and show him video and here's what the old, and my story was about, here's the old video and you didn't tell him about all the, you didn't tell our, this is a training video, you didn't tell our troops about all this, they had too much information, it's radioactive, it has a half-life of fourth grade, the spalling, uh, you know, telltale signs of stuff, it, 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 it's known carcinogen, it's heavy metal, that they should be 50 meters back from around, you didn't, you don't want to tell him any of that? That's, that was my story. Well, it's uh, unfortunately not surprising to anyone who's really been following the way that these types of stories are reported on, quote-unquote, by the people who are, yeah, as you say, buddies. Of, I'm telling exactly. you, that is nuclear warfare. Exactly right, and and that's not a, an overstatement in any way. But I think it goes back to an issue that we've really been circling around all night, which is the, the issue of the, the mainstream media and how they have abdicated their responsibilities to inform the public. And uh, on that note, it, when you go to usawatchdog.com and hit on the mission tab, you can read about the mission statement of the website, which reads that uh, usawatchdog.com brings you mainstream content but also gives information and perspective that is often not covered by conventional sources. So perhaps you can tell us about the importance of that mission and, and really why there is the need for this uh, independent reporting at this time. I had a job interview at Bloomberg uh, before I started my site, and uh, as it turns out, um, I started the site, and I, I'm so glad I did. But I, I remember telling the guy who's now over at CBS, I can't remember, David Rhodes, he, he's over at CBS now, and so about uh, he's like the number two over at CBS News. Uh, but you know, the, all the news is heading towards the internet. That's a fact. But anyway, I, he asked me, you know, can you do can you do a business reporting? I said yes. I said, and and not only uh, can I, but I think not only is business reporting good, but I, I'm interested in doing this because I think the financial story is going to be the next story, at least for the next five years, probably the next decade, maybe two. But the financial story is going to be huge. The implications in America are, uh, you know, are astronomical. And, uh, you know, I, I was on in 2008 in March saying all the banks were in trouble. They're, uh, they're all in trouble. And I was in, you can see that on my site if you look, go to the about section and go down and say, and he warned about the bank. There's a blue link in there. And, uh, but I was saying this is my reoccurring thing. I had been saying it for a while. And at the time, uh, Dick Parsons was the, uh, CEO of Time Warner. And he was also on the board of Citigroup. And here I am saying all the banks are in trouble in March. And people thought I had to, oh, come on, all oh, the banks are, uh, yes, they're in trouble. Well, they were in trouble now, weren't they? TARP and uh, $16 trillion, uh, pumped out by the Fed, according to a GAO audit. And, uh, you know, you had uh, all the uh, toxic assets they had to buy in QE1 and QE2. And, they, uh, you know, just this last year, and this is a huge story. And so, uh, so all the banks were in trouble. And, uh, you know, I... Two weeks later, after I said that final, that, that last time I said it, they, I, you know, they told me that I needed to, uh, we're going in a different direction. Oh, okay. Uh, and everything I said it would happen. You know, everything. I was interviewing people like John Williams, and uh, who's been right a lot, and Jim Sinclair, who uh, said gold would go to 1650 an ounce in 2011. Bing! He was correct. Um, 
And so um, he said that in 2002, incidentally. So that was a pretty good, pretty good call. It was $350 an ounce when he made that call. But anyway, the long and short of it is about uh, all this is, uh, you know, it's it's the big story and the big things I wanted to cover and wanted to talk about. They weren't. They're not doing at uh, at CNBC or at uh, ABC or NBC or CBS. They're telling us. They keep telling us we have a recovery, and the you know, the real statistical evidence says we do not have a recovery. And that's one of the things I did on my site just a, uh, a couple of days ago. Uh, and I used um, stuff from John Williams, who is an economist at ShadowStats.com, and I called it uh, the illusion of an economic recovery. And they don't, they don't really do inflation right. And this is, I love a picture's worth a thousand words, right? And there's two charts on there. And one is how they do gross domestic product, GDP, and their inflation mechanism under, way understates inflation, which is another scam. It's a complete scam, and the mainstream media buys into it. The, the way they do inflation is, is totally jury-rigging the numbers. And there's no way we have 2% inflation. I heard, heard the Fed presidents this week say, a couple of them said, well, you know, we're at our target rate of 2%. Oh, okay. Money only gets cut in half every 35 years. Great. I'm happy for you. There should be zero inflation. But anyway, um, there's these two charts on there. And one of them is the way the government does inflation, which is virtually it doesn't do inflation. And the other one is the, is is reconstituted to to uh, do a true inflation. And the one where the government does, you know, you know, they factor in their inflation, which is they don't factor in inflation. It goes, you know, up, 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 and a little dip in 2008 with a crisis, and then you know about 2009 going right on back up. Well, the chart where they have inflation, you know, this is gross domestic product minus inflation. If you have official 2% inflation, and your economy grew at 2.2%, well, that's about two-tenths of a percent growth. You don't have growth. And, it, and if your inflation is way understated that it's really more than 2%, it's like 8 or 9% inflation rate, which is more what shadowstats.com says, well, then, well, we have negative year-over-year. Year. We don't have growth. And the growth we have had is caused by the stock market, the growth in the, in the, in the stock market, according to many sources, including Charles Biederman, who's also on my site. But if you look at this, the second graph where they factor in inflation, this thing crashes in 2008 and has a little blip in 2009, and we're doing what John Williams calls his bottom bouncing. It just looks like two totally different things when you look at the numbers in a true inflation adjustment and a phony non-inflation adjustment by the government. It's a... And that's one of the things the Federal Reserve talks about is they're managing people's perception of reality, perception, perception of inflation, managing perceptions. I hear that all the time from Fed governors. Managing perception. Well, what is it? Don't give me the perception. Well, they want you to think it's 2%, when in fact it's about 8 or 9%. And, oh, ooh, wow, gas went down 20 cents. Wow, wow, I'm saved. But uh, anyway, the financial story is the big story, and I get to say what needs to be said. Well, that's exactly right. And as, as you note there, it does come down a lot to, to media consolidation and media ownership and, and some of the ties of uh, some of the organizations that are supposed to be acting as this watchdog and obviously failing in that duty. So it is important to have uh, reporters like yourself that are able to do this independently. So, so the Internet is really one of the last bastions of this type of free speech. But as you've been noting, of course, with things like CISPA and other things on the way, the, the, uh, the last outlet for God, free speech. I guess is, Obama's going to sign CISPA, right? I would oh, be surprised if he didn't. Right? Yeah. Hesketh well, there's Senate. Yes, that's yeah. right. But he's he's saying he's going to veto, but he also said he was going to veto the NDAA. But of course, he didn't do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you know what? I'll tell you. Uh, you know, one of the big sponsors of Ron's Pauls are are the internet people, are the tech people. As a matter of fact, he has the second biggest amount 
of um, of Super Pac Bunny. People don't realize that. He's no doddering old man. He's a smart guy. And he said he'd be in it to the convention, and much to the chagrin of Romney, who does not have enough delegates to capture the G, uh, the GOP uh, uh, nomination. He does not have enough delegates. He may. Uh, another another huge story that has been obviously extremely uh, poorly reported on, but you're exactly right. Ron Paul has been picking up delegates quietly and has quietly won places like Iowa. That, uh, that Yes, he won Iowa. That was a big, fat lie. Oh, they lost the truck. What? They, what? The truck was bad. Excuse me. You don't have computers? You don't have an iPhone? Hey, I tell you what. I have a Motorola StarTech, and I can send a text message with some numbers. You put it on a truck? Well, why don't you put it on a horse and buggy? How about give it to a guy on a bike? <laughs> you don't have email? You're kidding me. Exactly right. Un- well, obviously something and, clearly but, doesn't add up there. But but I think, I mean, one of the things that I, I was particularly impressed by was uh, that recently, in fact, earlier this month, or last month, I suppose, in April, you had a, a story up, a 9-11 conspiracy theory, insane or insightful, in which you were kind enough to link to one of my videos uh, that's that's become quite popular online. It's a five-minute summary oh, of some a, of the audit. Oh, it's wonderful. It's, I think well, it was wonderful. Well, I, I certainly was just trying to keep it to the, the most uh, inane parts of the official 9-11 story that I think anyone would have questions about. But, of course, we're always told that such questions are are uh, prying and meddling and uh, that we shouldn't be thinking or worrying our little heads about these things. So it is I, good to see someone like yourself taking these types of questions seriously. And well, I mean, is it bowling? I mean, how do they get Building 7 to fall down? They had two planes and three buildings. What, this is bowling? How do they do that? Oh, a fire happened with diesel in the basement, and it and it caused all the frame, all the beams to melt exactly at the same time, and caused a uniform implosion. Now, even the well, that, that was in fact one of the first iterations of NIST's story, but they went on to change it about four more times, and the the one they finally came up with was a failure at one specific beam at a certain part where they said say it walked off the girder. But uh, because of thermal expansion, but in fact the data that they used to create the model, which they should they they have showed everyone is is their model of how it collapsed. They've actually classified that data because it would jeopardize public safety for the public to know what data NIST is using in their model. So so they're actually saying that the public does not deserve to know uh, how, how they the did their collapsed. Right. Well, the other thing with the with the Pentagon, where did those motors go? There's no seats. There's no. They found a woman in the in the rubble of the uh, World Trade Center that was had her hands tied behind her, a flight attendant supposedly. Uh, so uh, they didn't find any bodies. They found no pillows. They found no plane parts. Where'd the motors go? Where did the two nine-ton motors go? They had two nine-ton what General Electric or Rolls Royce motors on each side of this plane. Where'd they go? Where are they? No bags. No luggage. No tail. They just all vaporized. Some very good questions, and of course, uh, also the uh, the serial numbers of the parts that were supposedly discovered there have also been classified, and uh, they're not releasing that information even under freedom of information requests. So again, uh, it's always a question of what is being hidden, and it's it's so good that you were able to broach this discussion on your website, and it generated quite a lively discussion in the comment oh, thread. Well, three hundred comments, and they're still arguing it out over there. And you know, the, some of the guys make some good, uh, you know, they make some good scientific points, but. I don't buy the, I don't buy it, and I just don't, I don't buy the official story with the towers. I don't, I, I just find it hard to believe the families, engineers, uh, people who signed this 911.org, uh, thing, uh, it's not, it's not just a bunch of crazy people. These are families of victims who don't believe it. So, 
at least, at the very least, we should have another unbiased uh, investigation. But if there's any material left, I mean, I don't know. Do they use nanothermite or whatever? I don't. I don't know exactly what happened. But I, how did that building fall straight down? They didn't, they didn't get hit by anything. So one beam now caused the whole thing to fall down. Wow, really? I, so I, do you I, think? Do you think what you're doing, stepping outside of the bounds of that sort of mainstream discourse at usawatchdog.com, do you think that's going to catch on? Do you think more people uh, who are, are leaving those positions in the in the mainstream media are going to be doing this for themselves? Well, let me tell you, James, it was hard to do. I, I was at a point in my life where I had saved a couple of bucks, and I didn't have a lot of debt, and I lived below my means. And, you know, this is this is, I mean, I started out, and I had 10 or 15 readers. And now I'm seeing some daylight on the horizon, but you know I have a couple hundred thousand visitors a month, and uh, you know things are are going well. Maybe I'll get venture capital, maybe I won't. Uh, but I'll, I know I'll, it's growing and it's going in the right direction. In two and a half, three years from now, I mean, you look at the Drudge Report. You got to keep in mind that thing was in around what in the, in the mid '90s. Uh, some of some of these other sites, like Alex Jones, he was around in '99 or. Uh, 98 or something. Uh, you know, it takes a while to build, you know, an internet audience, but it's building. I got a new interview section with, uh, that I pu- I'm putting up with Skype interviews with, uh, Charles. But I, it, back, back to this. Do I think other people will want to do it? And the answer is yes, but the problem is, is having quality. Is that, you know, can, can do you have actionable material? Is, you know, what are you using? I do mine the mainstream media for facts and information. But I don't put the same spin on it. I mean, some of the stories that they do, I mean, at USA Today is one of my favorites. They'll have a headline, and it'll say, uh, you know, uh, home seems to be bottoming. And then they go into the article, and they completely refute their own title. You know, 15 out of 20, uh, you know, markets, and for example, in the last uh, K. Schiller report are down. It, it, things are a mess. Anyway, I know I hear the music, so I'll be right. quiet. Un- unfortunately, that isn't the norm more than the exception. Um, maybe it's the, it's the rule in this day and age of reporting. At any rate, we have uh, one more short break. After that, we'll come back to wrap things up with Greg Hunter of usawatchdog.com. Don't touch that dial. All right, friends, welcome back to the closing minutes of Corporate Report Radio. Here we are on this Wednesday evening in the final few minutes with our guest, Greg Hunter of usawatchdog.com. So, Greg, uh, let's just turn briefly to, to matters economic. I don't know if you had the chance to see the Paul versus Paul debate as it's being billed on Bloomberg TV earlier this week. So what, between what is it? The Paul versus Paul. It was Paul. Ron Paul versus Paul Krugman. Oh. We had a bit of an on, uh, media debate. Uh, it was uh, 10 Paul. or 20 minutes. Ron Paul on, won that one. They had right. To- did he? I, I certainly think so myself, but I was wondering if you had uh, any thoughts on, on the issue. Well, listen, Paul Krugman says that we should have printed more money. We didn't print enough. Uh, and we've had QE1, QE2, QE3, uh, QE4, QE to infinity. I mean, the Wall Street Journal reported we had 61, that the government bought 61% of the treasuries issued last year. We bought 61% of our own debt. Some people say it's 80%, but let's just say it's 61%. Holy smokes, that means we don't have buyers for that debt. We are monetizing debt. Uh, and nobody wants to do the right thing, which should have been done back in the uh, 2008. And I wrote a, a, a thing about this, wrote a post about this, and it was called the default option, And that I said that we would have been far cheaper for us to, and what should have happened was us to let the banks default, and we cover every depositor, and sorry bondholders, sorry shareholders, ABC, or ABC, uh, uh, you know, 
you know, uh, a Chase, uh, a City, uh, Morgan Stanley, uh, Bank of America, you know, uh, Vikram Pandit, you're fired, uh, Jamie Dimon, you're fired, uh, Lloyd Blankfine, you're fired, Ken Lewis, fired, 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 fired. They should all have been fired. And we should just cover the deposit. It would only cost six, the trillion, six point two trillion, six trillion dollars to cover all depositors. And we would be in a real recovery at this point. They were never going to do that. It was going to, oh, it was going to melt down the world. Well, rich people lost money. Poor people did not get bailed out. Poor people got the full force and brunt of what happened. Rich people got bailed out, period, the end. That's what happened. And and uh, people uh, had their uh, 401Ks, and, and the investor class got bailed out because the Fed flooded the economy with money. This cannot go on. They did not save us from a depression. They put it off and made it worse in doing so because we have not fixed the overarching and crushing problem, and that is debt. It, the problem is so big. i got to say this, James. The problem is so big, you have to keep in mind, it is so big. They had to change the accounting rules in 2009. Are you getting that? They couldn't print enough money. They had to let banks and all of corporate America, that's why I think in part their ratings look good, that any asset on your books, you can value it whatever you think you can get for it in the future. You loaned $400,000 on a house that's only worth $200,000. Ah, value it at $400,000. You got underwater toxic mortgages that you can't sell to anybody. You can't pick up the phone because there is no public market for it. Uh, value it whatever you think it should be valued in the year 2068. That's, and we printed $16.2 trillion, according to Bernie Sanders, and bailed out everybody. And then there's TARP, and then there's, uh, you know, we just bought 61% of our own uh, debt, and there's TARP 1 and TARP 2 and TARP 3 and Operation Twist and dollar, uh, you know, dollar swaps with Europe, and hello, we're in trouble. And A lot the currency of trouble. Is in trouble. Absolutely. And uh, if the best way to rob a bank is to own one, then perhaps, unfortunately, the best way to rob the uh, the people via the Treasury is to, to own a bank as well. So, a central and, bank. Yes, sir. And, yeah, you know, exactly. On my site, I have a site on there that says, how do I buy gold and silver? I don't sell it. You can't buy it from me. I do not sell gold and silver. I'm not a gold and silver expert. But I tell people how to do it. And in there, there's a little thing from Ben Bernanke that he wrote about how central banks steal from their populace by uh, over the oversupply of currency, and the only way to protect yourself is with gold and silver. Ben Bernanke said that uh, in 1964. Yeah, and Alan Greenspan was also quite a gold bug back in the I'm day. I'm sorry, uh, Alan Greenspan. I, yeah. Excuse me. I said Ben Bernanke. Yeah. I meant Alan Greenspan the whole Greenspan. time. Alan Greenspan, the maestro, said that in 1964. Absolutely right. Yeah. Well, once again, important history, and if people don't know their history, they, uh, they will definitely lose out there. So, once again, I hope people are tuned to usawatchdog.com. Greg Hunter, thank you so much for your time tonight. Thanks for being on. People should protect themselves. The economy is not fixed, and Europe is a big mess. That's it. Well, let's uh, talk to you tomorrow.